Um, my name is Coley. I'm 30 years old, born and bred in Jersey. Um, I'm a published poet. Um, I have my own podcast and, uh, I'm mentally ill (laughs) on top of dealing with grief. What does it mean if you feel the symptoms of grief, such as denial, depression, anger, panic, and physical ailments, but no one has died? Could you still be grieving? I'm JD. This is the What's Your Story podcast. Grief is a universal experience and response to significant loss. Psychologically, grief is complex, involving several distinct emotions. Like I mentioned, denial, anger, sadness, and heartbreak. Included in that is guilt, despair, or loss of hope acceptance, love, and even joy. These last emotions may surprise you, but people commonly feel love for the person they have lost and great joy at having had the love during grieving. Today, I want you to listen with compassion to this week's storyteller, Holy, as they share what it's like to grieve someone who has Alzheimer's, as well as having to battle the process of bereavement while dealing with their own borderline personality disorder. This podcast is humbly sponsored by BetterHelp. As a holistic health coach turned mental health advocate, I know the importance of finding the right support. Why? Because I've been battling anxiety and depression for over 10 years, and I know I'm not the only one who struggles with their mental health. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, BetterHelp is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen. Talk to your therapist in a private, online environment at your convenience. All you do is just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you're matched with the therapist in under 48 hours. I say this all not as someone telling you to simply click on another sponsor, but as someone who's been seeing a better health therapist for the past year. I've never felt more valued, respected, and full of hope for my mental clarity than I do with each passing session with my therapist. Join the 3 million plus people, that plus being me, who have taken charge of their mental health when experience better health therapists. As a special bonus offer to listeners, you get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. That's betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. Remember, just because you need help doesn't mean you're not worth helping. About Almost two years ago, um, my grandmother went into the hospital. My grandmother had Alzheimer's. My grandmother went into the hospital for a bed sore. And um, she came out on hospice. And she was um, very much unconscious while she was at home waiting to die. Um, So we were giving her... Ativan and morphine um, around the clock to keep her calm 
and to keep her out of pain. Um, and then I remember May 28th, I had a moment alone with her where everyone was downstairs and I was with her by myself in the living room. Dementia is a unique disease process that creates an unusual situation. The person with dementia gradually recedes from their loved ones while still alive. That is, the family loses the person they love before the physical death, and they are lost incrementally over time in concert with a host of other significant losses. The grief that results from the significant losses in dementia is what we call dementia grief, and it has unique aspects, properties, and processes. Anticipatory grief, as it's also called, describes the set of complex feelings experienced while anticipating an inevitable death ahead. You're grieving the loss of someone to illness, not death, although the emotions can be just as intense. The instant a loved one is diagnosed with dementia, you start to grieve. What will life be like without this person is a common first thought and fear. As your loved one changes before your eyes, each loss of ability can feel like a tiny little death. You may grieve the losses of memory, awareness, personality, and ability to communicate long before your loved one even passes. Where the, ho the hospital bed was. And I told her, it's okay. You can go. I'll be okay. And um, early the next morning, there was a knock on my door. And it was my aunt. And she told me that she was gone. And I came out of my room and walked into the living room and I held her hand and it was cold. Um, one of the most, not vibrant, <laughs> one of the most um, vivid memories that I have of that time, of that day, um, was when the funeral directors came to pick up her body and they put her in a body bag um it's been almost two years may 29th of 2021 um and there are still times when it hurts to breathe because the grief is so crushing um after her funeral i went down to visit a few friends um to kind of clear my head and not be overwhelmed with the grief um, as much as I could be. And while I was there, I got an email from my job telling me that I had been fired. Um, I don't know really why I was fired, but I was fired nonetheless. And um, this was less than two weeks after my grandmother died. Um, and my job was my identity for a long time. Identity is a funny thing. The way we think of ourselves, how we define ourselves, the story we tell ourselves about who we are, all that comes together to create our, our identity. And yet, we don't always have a conscious awareness of our identity or even a loss of identity. It often exists in the background, like the soundtrack of a film. We aren't consciously aware of it until something changes. Seriously, have you ever watched a familiar movie clip without the soundtrack? It's weird. 
There's a lot to say, though, and to think about when it comes to loss of identity and grief. It shapes so much of how we exist in the world, and research has shown that the lack of self-clarity that comes in grief as a result of loss of identity is correlated with higher rates of depression and post-traumatic stress. I want to talk for a second about what is known as professional identity and how we can experience those identity changes or losses, as well as what to do about it. Spoiler alert, though, there's no easy answer. Phrases like, I am a teacher, or I am a carpenter, or I'm a doctor, make clear that we often consider our profession as a huge part of who we are. We have knowledge, skills, and expertise related to our jobs. Much of our time is defined by our jobs, and we often have a community through our jobs. So when we retire, lose or leave a job, even if it's by choice, there's often a loss of what we call professional identity that can have a profound impact on our sense of self. If you're thinking, yes, this is me, you may also be thinking, well, what do I do about it? This is like I said, there's no easy answer, but the first thing to keep in mind is your identity will never be what it was before the loss. Like so many things in grief, trying to go back to how things were before the loss, it's just not possible. Part of regaining a sense of self after any loss is accepting that identity is going to be different than it was before. After the break, we're going to take a look at what having borderline personality disorder does to someone that's on the journey of bereavement. So stick around. Each of us is a constantly unfolding narrative, a hero in a novel no one else can write, which is why I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to these stories here on this podcast. You see, if I could sum up everything I've learned from being a mental health educator, it would boil down to one thing. You are not alone. I believe in the healing power of telling your story and sharing with the world. And so I created an opportunity. I'm so solidly behind when it comes to healing from trauma and tragedy due to the darkness of mental illness. As someone who's a listener of this podcast, I want to personally invite you to the Storyteller community for $5 a month. The Storyteller community is a private, self-led community for those willing to do the work to create lasting transformation on their path to greater mental clarity. It's a community that thrives in the mindset that in our oneness, we can find an opportunity to truly heal. Head over to the website at fragilemoments.org community today to learn more. I cannot wait to have you be part of the Storyteller community with me as we share our collective stories and journeys from all over the world. So head over to FragileMoments.org slash community, and let's build, share, and heal together. People from all over the world have been sending in questions, and it turns out that most of us are dealing with the same kinds of things, from breakups and loss to work pressure, racism to gender, dealing with parents to dealing with social media, and want to talk more about them. So ask me anything. Head over to the website today at FragileMoments.org slash ask. Whatever you think our generation needs to have conversations about when it comes to what weighs on us and causes our mental health struggles. Sometimes I'll combine research with my own thoughts, and other times I'll bring in an expert for a chat on social media where you can join the conversation. All submissions are anonymous. I only ask for general demographic info in order to understand our reach and our impact. So head to FragileMoments.org slash ask today. And remember, I'm just a human being like you. I just happen to think we should talk more. 
Um, I have borderline personality disorder, so I struggle with um, my identity. I struggle with depth of emotion. Um, so after that, I just felt completely lost. Um, and I had a virtual meeting with my psychiatrist and, um, I told her everything that was going on. And she's like, do you think you might need that, uh, partial hospitalization program again? Because I'd already been in the partial hospitalization program twice. And I said, I think that might be a good idea. Um, my grandmother was my best friend. She was always the one who was proud of me. And I very rarely hear that someone's proud of me now. Bereavement is a complex period of time, no matter who you are. It's considered normal and may be accompanied by a variety of emotional reactions, behavior responses, and thoughts. For example, as you grieve in the course of bereavement, you may experience sadness, anger, and or, as we mentioned, relief. You may also feel the urge to withdraw from other people or to seek out social support. Bereavement that's prolonged, overwhelming, or that seriously impairs your daily life is considered complicated grief, a condition that may require therapy with a healthcare profession. While there is very little research in this area, people with borderline personality disorder, or BPD, which is characterized by an intense fear of abandonment, may theoretically be at a greater risk for complicated grief due to their intense emotional reactions to separation from loved ones. If you have BPD, grief can be much more intense when you lose a friend or loved one than it is for any other person. You may express your grief through impulsive or destructive behaviors like drinking or violence. These actions usually only worsen your grief and continue a cycle of pain and distress, as you might imagine. BPD can also limit your expression of grief. It can cause a heightened sense of an unwarranted anger, guilt, and shame. Frustration and rage are particularly common. Those who struggle with BPD might see that their anger can be spurred by feelings of helplessness and loneliness. In the case of the death of a loved one, it's possible you may feel responsible for what happened, even when that's not the case whatsoever. You may already continually struggle with feelings of abandonment and rejection and sensitivity, which can be heightened with the death of that loved one. This can keep you from handling bereavement in a healthy way because you feel so alone and so isolated. Or you may be so used to hiding your emotions that you cannot go through the natural grieving process. By suppressing your feelings and your sense of loss, you effectively extend the bereavement process and make it much, much more complicated, inhibiting your ability to simply function. I knew I was getting better, or at least developing around my grief better, um, when I heard my grandmother's primary care doctor paged over the intercom for the hospital. And uh, I didn't burst out into tears. Um, I acknowledged the fact that it was triggering, but I didn't burst out into tears. Grief plays a funny role in my life. Um, the first person I lost was my great uncle when I was like seven. And I've just consistently lost people throughout my life. Um, including my mom 
almost 10 years ago. Um, so I'm no stranger to grief. Um, but this time I actually am working through it in a healthy way as opposed to getting medicated for it or just stuffing it down. Um, because again, with bipolar disorder, not bipolar, well, I have that too. (laughs) I meant to say borderline personality disorder. Um, I had a therapist once describe emotions with BPD as tsunamis. They're very overwhelming. And what may seem like something small to someone else is very big to someone with borderline personality disorder. Um, I, this is my first real time processing grief since being diagnosed with BPD. Um, and this is the first time that, um, this is the first time that I'm dealing with the grief in a healthy way, like I said before, but also in a way that didn't have me focusing on anger. And it was hard because, like I would said, my grandmother had Alzheimer's and um, her disease progressed quickly. There were times towards the end where she didn't recognize who I was, which is normal in Alzheimer's, but it hurts nonetheless. And um, I remember one time I walked into her hospital room that last time she was in the hospital and she had no clue who I was. Let, um, to let the emotions come and to feel them instead of shoving everything down so you don't feel them, so you don't have to deal with them because not dealing with them is only prolonging the grief. It's not stopping you from feeling it. It can appear impossible to translate the words of your grief when there's no simple, easy language for how it feels, particularly when it might be complicated by something like mental illness. So I want to thank Coley for taking the time to translate a bit of how the bereavement process looks. If you want to connect with Coley, I'll leave a link for how to do that in the show notes. What's Your Story is produced by me, JD, with background music by Chad Lawson. The stories, as always, though, are yours, the listener. So if you've got a story you want to share, you can do so by heading to fragilemoments.org slash tellyourstory. If there's something that resonated with you in today's episode, let me know. I have a brand new Twitter account over at at StorySharingPod. Above all, thanks to you for tuning in to What's Your Story and helping me shed some much-needed light on mental illness. Any show, big or small, but especially a small one like us, survives based on reviews from you, the listener. So give this episode a review when you're done processing all you heard today over on Apple Podcasts so that others can see just how important stories like these are to share. And I'll give you a shout-out. Thanks for tuning in, as always, and I look forward to hearing your story one day, because we all have within us a story to tell, a song, yet unsung.